Today's podcast is brought to you by RetouchUp.com. RetouchUp wants to be your photo editing partner. They help you streamline your workflow to keep you doing what you do best, shooting, selling, or just enjoying life. Be sure and listen later in the show for how you can receive a special discount code from RetouchUp.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready for me? To become a Jeep douche. I'm sorry, become become a what? A Jeep douche. A Jeep, oh, oh no, 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 and no. <laughs> I am absolutely not ready for that to happen, because I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because I do not, for, okay, first, technically, you cannot become a Jeep dude, because you're not driving, you know, you got to be driving like a off-road Jeep. Not like a Jeep dude, a Jeep douche. Like a guy, a douchebag. You're please. Please don't be that guy that you, now that you own, technically you own a Jeep, suddenly it's all, you're all about Jeep, dude. Jeep, Jeep, bonk, bonk, Jeep, I'm a Jeep, dude. Jeep life. Yeah, yeah, please. But technically you don't, I mean, I feel like that's refined to the, like the off-road type Jeeps. You think like the Wranglers? No, see, see, someone told me that if you have a Jeep, that you do the little wave, like the little Jeep salute. Yeah. Like when you, I don't think that's true. I think if you're driving a Jeep SUV and you do the little wave to the jacked up Wrangler with the with the rack across the top with the special lights and the and the tailpipe that goes up the side so that you can submerge it, I think that that guy's gonna laugh at you. You think so? I think that guy's gonna be like, dude, you're driving an SUV. All right, no, no, don't, don't act driving, like you're a Jeep guy. I'm driving an XJ Cherokee. I'm driving a classic American automobile. Yes, I I bought so for the listeners. Um, my, my lease is up on my car. And so we're trying to like cut expenses and, uh, and rather than have a payment, you know, I figured I'd get a different work car. This is just my car to drive back and forth to the studio and go to jobs. So I started looking at older cars that we could buy for cash. And then I was like, I initially, I started going where I always go, go to like the Corollas and go to the, the Honda Civics. And I'm just going to the really economical, sensible, just commuter cars. And in a couple of searches popped up, like, just some really interesting cars. Like, I saw an old Land Rover, and then I saw an iconic car from my past, the Jeep Cherokee. And the Jeep Cherokee, if you're not familiar, this particular squared body style was made from, like, 92 to 2001 and then discontinued. And these cars have become incredibly popular. In fact, they're kind of, it's kind of hard to find a good one. Uh, it's kind of hard to find one, and then when you find one, it's kind of it's even harder to find one that's in really good shape and has a reasonably low amount of miles. But it's for a bunch of different reasons. It's a very popular car. It's a very cult, got a very big cult following, and and I found one and I bought it, and it's got seventy two thousand miles on it, and it's a two thousand. Like that's crazy, right? Like that's good. Are we sure that that's correct? Because you sent me you sent me the thing, and it even said in the write up that the odometer might have been turned back. Aha! This is disputable because there's a clerical error, so it could be a typo, which I will be investigating. So it may have more miles than that. It may have been had the odometer rolled back. I'm still in love with this car. It doesn't matter. Well, it looked great. I mean, you sent me the thing. It's, it was here local to me, and and we should tell that you you contacted me and you said, hey, will you go look at this car for me? And I said. You know, because I'm a good friend, no, I will not go look at this car for you. <laughs> I realize after the fact that asking you to go look at a car for me is like asking, you know, uh, asking Ray Charles if you look good. 
Like, how do I look? How's this dress look on me? I texted Bobby and I said, Gary just asked me to go look at a car for him. And Bobby goes, you won't even go look at a car for me. <laughs> like, yeah, there is nothing I despise more in the world than setting foot onto a car lot. I've been driving the same car for 13 years and I didn't go on the car lot to buy that. I had it delivered to me. That's how much I hate going to a car lot. It's funny because I do see a potential conflict there. Like if you went and looked at this car, because it's in Tampa, it's two hours away from me. The problem is that these cars are, are, are pretty rare and when they pop up because people tend to hold on to them. And so when they do pop up, then most of them are not in great shape. They could be all rusted out underneath. And, and uh, so the closest one I found that was a decent shape, that was a good price, was it by you. If I, in Tampa, it's two hours away. And so I was like, I'm going to drive down there, even though the pictures look great. I'm going to smell like a warthog's butt or something like you get into, or it's owned by a smoker or, or it's missing something, you know, and it's going to be really obvious in the first 10 seconds that I wasted four hours back and forth in the car to come look at this thing. So I thought the car was literally five minutes from your house. And I thought all I wanted you to do was to go just poke your head in it and be like, it seems fine. All I wanted was a, it seems fine. Like you, you know, and instead, like you always do, you just say no to stuff. So, and I, I fully expect you to say no. But as an example, I stopped on the way down there to look at another one in Haines City, which is about halfway and it was a good price. The pictures look great. I get there. The electrical doesn't even work. The dome light won't even turn on. The whole bottom of it rusted out. And the guy, I was walking over with the dealer, and I was like, okay, oh, do you know this and this? And then the welding where the door attaches, like, there's, you know, there's just a lot of problems with this thing. And you've got this thing listed at the high end of what it's worth. And he's like, oh, really? I had no idea. Like, you lying jerk. This is why I don't want to go look at cars. I don't want to have to deal with this guy. The other problem is that, uh, you know, my daughter still needs a car and she loves Jeeps. And I looked at what you sent me and I told you uh, straight up, honestly, I said, if I went and looked at this car and it looks anywhere near as good as it does in these pictures, I'm going to want to buy this car. (laughs) So so, (laughs) I'm like, I've got enough money in my pocket to buy this car. So, you know, don't make me go look. Don't make go. Don't go make, make me go look at this car and then want it really bad and have to be like, here you go, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) you know don't make me do that yeah it's uh anyway uh so i'm already um you know i've started to look at jeep themed like key rings and uh some 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 jeep themed please stop yeah yeah no i want to just stop maybe some driving gloves stop this is this is an intervention we're going to stop at the very beginning level okay do not take the first drink are you sure? I am absolutely sure. I get the feeling that be, having a Jeep just makes me cooler. Like, life is going to be better if I have a Jeep? No. We have several Jeep owners in my neighborhood, and there is just a little bit of a chuckle every time you walk past their house and you see the Jeeps with all the stickers, and it's backed in, you know, in case they have to exit the Jeep cave quickly and go to the Jeep <laughs> rally. You know, I might actually want to back this car in. Oh my God, what am I talking about? What's happening to me? Don't be that guy. Oh, you know, there was something else in the news this week that uh, we needed to mention. Uh, and I was hoping that you would grace us. Uh, I know that you don't like to do it anymore because you don't like to be known mm-hmm. for this ability, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. thing that you do so well. Oh, here we go. Uh, but I think that there are some occasions where we have perhaps lost an icon and that I yes. think that in in those times it is fitting for you to use your your rare and and truly amazing mimicry ability. Yeah, you're so kind. To give us just you know, if you could just give us a little bit 
of Sean Connery. Sean Connery passed away. I know if those of you who are new to the podcast don't know that Gary, he doesn't like to do it, but Gary has, is amazing at doing impressions. And I was hoping you could just give us a little Sean Connery. I, I you know, I've been called a master impressionist before, uh, but I think that's a little, you know, I'm more of a, more of a tradesman, more of a journeyman. I'm a more of a journeyman impressionist. I would say that about you, uh, you know, but I don't like to, you know, if that's what I have to say to get you to give us just, just a little bit of your gift. Okay, I'm no Frank Caliendo here, but I'm right. gonna, you know, I'm more of a journeyman uh, uh, imp- impressionist. <clears throat> Takes me a second to get into character. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Connery. Hey, welcome to the Rock. Welcome to the Rock. Oh, it's a money penny. Hey, money penny. I have a license to kill. I have a license to kill. It never fails. It makes me happy every time. I don't know why, but it makes me happy every time. I like that you worked the rock and money penny into it also. I that that true that to me it really is the best part of the impression is not that you so accurately nail Sean Connery, but that you're able to work all the pop culture icons. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna pat myself on the back, but you'd be hard pressed to find a better Sean Connery than that. I'll say that. I'll absolutely say that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be tough. I'll go out. I'll go out on a limb with that. I've I've crafted that one for years and years, and 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 funny enough, you know, I was contacted by his estate. They want you to do the hologram for at the Oscars. Well, you know, basically he's going to be. I don't want to spoil it, but Sean Connery's going to be at Coachella next year as a hologram, and uh, they asked for my voice, and I said I feel I felt it was disrespectful, and they should really just use recordings of from his films i think that would be better and so because you know it's been done before uh, the the uh, guy from sctv what's his name not rick moranis but the other guy that was doug and bob mckenzie what was his name do you remember his name you know doug and bob mckenzie on sctv and oh, rick moranis, dave thomas dave thomas dave thomas. Uh, dave thomas did the voice of bob hope they had bob hope do a hologram at the oscars one year and he was asked to do bob hope because he is considered to, like the best bob hope Oh, his yeah, I've seen it. It's actually very good. So I'm just saying, you know, I don't, I don't you know, there's there's precedence there. I don't I don't think that it would be that it would be necessarily be bad for you to to do this voiceover work for Coachella and to uh, grace the world one more time with the great Scottish brogue that is Sean Connery. Well, you know, my, you know, my favorite Sean Connery movie is. Uh, <laughs> is it the one where he wears like the uh, the the red uh, speedo unitard? <laughs> there's one where he like, he wears like he's like remember the, remember the outfit that Borat wore? Yes. <laughs> he basically wears that in a movie. Oh wow! <laughs> like All right. science, see some science fiction swordsman. He wears that. Oh uh, well, he's in Highlander. But my favorite Sean Connery movie is is clearly the the American cinematic masterpiece Dragonheart. Well, well, okay, but it's voice only. He's great. Yeah, but as the voice of the dragon, sure. Yeah, well, you take away everything. Strip it all away, and you've got the most essential part of Sean Connery's sexiness is is his voice. You think so? You know that the confidence comes through. You can't even even if just his only his voice was in the movie, and they should have given him an Oscar for that. I was watching. Um, I was in virtual reality uh, the other day, and I was uh, in the movie thing where you can see movies and stuff. And they had, uh, I think, Goldfinger was playing, and or I know I'm not sure if it was Goldfinger, but it was one of those. And I clicked over, and it was right at the scene where the guy with the knife in his boot kills somebody by by sticking him with the knife boot that poisons him. And it was so, <laughs> it was so like I was like this just complete scene, untouched, 
could be transplanted into an Austin Powers film and it would be hilarious. Watching the old James Bond films is so funny now. And it's hard to believe when you watch them that there was a time when this was the height of suspense and drama. Oh, yeah. Like people were biting their nails like it was it was basically the 60s version of the Fast and the Furious. Right. And it's like and here's 10 minutes of Sean Connery driving a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and this is exciting stuff. Look, look, he's steering the boat. <laughs> it's yeah. not even a fast boat, you know. <laughs> I yeah, it is amazing how like and, and first of all, love Sean Connery and his entire body of work and he's just he's just an icon and he's not an American icon, he's a global icon and uh and had a very long and incredible career and he gave us some really incredible incredible escapes. Um never seemed to take himself too seriously. I think he did one really like trying to do an Oscar nominated type movie uh like finding forrester i don't know if you remember that i thought finding forrester was great as a matter of fact i watched it uh, the day that he died i watched finding forrester again but for me his my favorite performance will always be the one he won the oscar for and that's the untouchables yeah untouchables is yeah unbelievable like especially the scene where he's he's dragging himself across the floor after he's been like filled full of shot that's you know even kevin costner couldn't ruin that movie my favorite sean connery line of all time is when he's talking to him in the church and he says uh uh, he puts one of yours in the hospital. You put one of his in the morgue. That's the Chicago way. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Sean Connery, morgue. Yeah. In the morgue. Yeah. In the morgue. <laughs> it's uh welcome to the rock. Um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, just, just an amazing icon. And I was pretty sad to see that he's gone, but you know, it is amazing. The thing he's known the most for is James Bond. He did six or seven James Bond films right. from the six in the sixties and the seventies, and God, those films are boring. Jeez, Louise, holy crap! You cannot watch them today. And the parts that are supposed to be exciting, like they don't even really have good soundtracks. Like nowadays, when you make a movie, they always have a score or music going, right. and there's music going in some of the parts, but a lot of times in the in the action scenes in a Bond movie, there's no music. It's literally just people karate chopping or throwing hats that are razor blades, and there's no music except the occasional goes, like when something happens. Like, there's just no flow, and they just drag on. Every single one of them could probably have 30% of the movie chopped out. I would love to see somebody go and re-edit the Bond movies. All I want to see is karate chops, chicks in bikinis, and villains with metal teeth and crap like that, and then giant lasers. That, that you could you could cut out 30 40 percent of every one of those old bond movies and it would be better just every single one i gotta admit i kind of feel that way about the current bond films the action stuff is great but it's the it's like okay now here's five minutes of bond walking around the opera you know and things like that there's a reason that the Bourne films are better than the bond films and it's because in the Bourne films he's on the run Right. You know, all the time. So that's exciting. There's suspense all the time. But with the Bond films, I really don't care about him ordering champagne in the luxury suite, you know, or whatever. Right. The, the Bond films have no believability, even the modern ones. And I love Daniel Craig's James Bond. I think he does a great job. But even in Casino Royale, which might be the best one, although people say Skyfall, Casino Royale is probably the best one. But Casino Royale, he walks in. He's supposed to be a spy, a covert <laughs> operative. And he walks up to the counter. He goes... I'm James Bond, and I'm here to kill the bad guys and steal all their money and stuff. The one thing I did love about about the new James Bond, though, is that they they are they admitted finally that if you're going to be a guy who's licensed to kill and kills as easily as James Bond does, you have to be a little vicious. 
Yes. You know, yeah, you, you have to you, you're not a nice guy. No. You know, which is a little bit of what Sean Connery brought to the role. You could believe that Sean Connery would kick your butt. Yeah, he was a bit of he got a bit of a sociopath kind of thing. He'd be like, I could see him yeah. like choking a guy out, you know. There's no there's no real substance. It's it's literally a human weapon. Someone who is borderline mentally stable and very skilled that and then and brutal that you send against the worst people that are so bad that you have no plans at all to give them a trial or to bring them to justice. You just want them murdered. You just want them literally murdered. Then that's that's what he does. His job is to murder people. Yeah, that's what a double O agent is. He's a professional murderer. It's like, look, we've tried everything else. We've we've brought lawsuits. We've set the cops after him. We we've had investigations that the UN is involved. You know, NATO's here. Nobody wants to deal with this. Send in the murder guy, and that's James Bond. And you know, I like a little bit of brutal James Bond. Like he's uh, you know, he's he's the murder guy. The other great thing about Connery is that you get the impression that unlike some of the megastars you have today, some people are just megastars, and then. And then there's megastars who are characters, and I think that, that Sean Connery was that. And there was a great story that Andy Garcia told about being on the set with him when they were filming The Untouchables. And Garcia was filming a scene where he had to walk over and answer the phone. So he walks over and he answers the phone, and he talky, 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 and that cut. And Brian De Palma says, uh, we can't see your face, Andy. You, you're facing away from the camera. He said, and, I, and Andy's like, well, you know, my character doesn't know there's a camera there. And my character doesn't have any reason to turn towards the camera. That just is, doesn't make sense. And Brian De Palma's like, okay, well, let's let's just try and get your face on camera. Let's do it again. So let's go. Action. He walks over. He picks up the phone. He kind of turns a little bit to try and get his face more towards the camera. They talk a little bit. Cut, cut, cut. We still can't see your face. And Andy Garcia is like, again, there's no reason for my character to completely turn around when he gets on the phone. And then off camera from the dark, Sean Connery is sitting and he hears Sean say, come on, kid. It's not Hamlet. <laughs> you know, this is a movie star he's like listen no no one cares about your method no one cares just turn and look at the camera and deliver the line because i have a golf uh, game in about 40 minutes and i would like to get to it and p.s in, in in four months i'm going to win the academy award for this so yeah. <laughs> i'm going to win the oscar <laughs> so who, who 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 knows what they're talking about here uh, 25-year-old Andy Garcia, who I also love, by the way. I think Andy Garcia is great. So anyway, so rest in peace, uh, Sean Connery, a great, a great icon and a, and a shame to see him go. The next one I'm worried about is um, I'm waiting for, and we'll be talk, we'll, be, we'll do an episode on this, and that's Gene Hackman. I'm worried about Gene Hackman. Because when Gene goes, I mean, because there are many people, and I'm one of them, who consider Gene to possibly be the greatest actor of all time. There's just nothing Gene Hackman's bad at. Gene Hackman. He was fantastic. L- Lex Luthor. Maybe the definitive Lex Luthor. Yeah, he everything. He, you know, he's Morgan Freeman the same way. The movie can be terrible, but they're going to be great in it. The French Connection, amazing. Uh, ooh, Enemy of the State, great. He's great in everything. You can't you can't yeah, go wrong yeah. with Gene Hackman. He was he does really good comedy in uh the in Breakers or what was it called the Heartbreakers that was a, that was a pretty good movie. And he has quietly stopped working, and nobody seems to have noticed that Gene Hackman hasn't made a movie or a film in like five or six years. He just quietly retired. And and that's a shame because Gene Hackman is just amazing. Although I am totally into the celebrities that just quietly do their thing instead of making a big announcement like, I'm leaving Hollywood. It's like, just shut up. Like, if you're done, be done. Like, that's fine. You don't need to, like, 
give us the Irish goodbye, if you would, please. You know, let's or, or well, let's throw your party and be done with it. Like, I don't know what you want. Like, because you know what? If you say you're going to retire and then it, as long as you're healthy in a few years, you're going to be like, you know what? Retirement sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I miss being a flipping movie star. I'm gonna, like, I went to Starbucks the other day and nobody talked to me. Like, that's the worst. You know, you go from literally you can't go use a public restroom without being approached by someone to nobody knows who you are anymore 10 years later. And you're like, ah, I kind of like being a movie star. I think I want to try that again. I remember uh, reading an interview with Kiefer Sutherland, and this would have been 30 years ago. Kiefer Sutherland had just broke out with that uh, movie where, you know, not the vampire movie, the one where the Flatliners, I think it was called, where the college students are all killing themselves. Yep, yep, yep. He had just broke out, and they were interviewing him about, you know, what, where do you want to see your career going? What kind of career do you want to be? And he said that he, I think he'd been talking to his father or somebody else, and he had been talking about different movie stars. Like, I'd like to have a career like this guy or a career like that guy. And he was talking about big names, you know, like Brando. And uh, he said, and the person looked at me and said, That's, those aren't the people you should be trying to emulate. Who you want to be is Gene Hackman. And Kiefer Sutherland was like, yep, okay, right. I see what you're saying there. Yeah, Gene Hackman, who is just revered as an incredible actor. That's who you want to be. Don't try and be the famous celebrity. Be as good as Gene Hackman and, and the fame and the celebrity will follow. Be like a Gary Oldman. Oh, Gary Oldman, that guy. Oh, my God. Well, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, that same up there, too. You just Whoever they play, they're fantastic at it. I feel like Daniel Day-Lewis is, is the far end of the spectrum, though. He's like the edge of the, I'm so method, I live in Italy making shoes, and every once in a while I make a movie. When he played Lincoln, he stayed in character all the time, and he refused, even in conversations off camera, he refused to use any words that Lincoln wouldn't have used. Because he wanted to so encompass the case. That's one of those things you go, that's crazy, except for the pile of Oscar awards that you have. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a reason why pretty much every movie he does, with some exception, always end up, you know, he gets an award or the movie gets an award. He doesn't just, like, do, you know, Neighbors or Baywatch. Daniel Day-Lewis in Baywatch. That's a, that's a sketch right there that needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> He's totally in character as... As Pamela Anderson. He's at home making <laughs> eggs and he's wearing the red onesie. He actually, he's so into it, he actually has gender reassignment surgery <laughs> to get into the role. Like, that's Daniel Day-Lewis. All right. It's, uh, it's about that time. It is time for Photography News. Photography, Photography News. News. Photography News is brought to you by the good folks at RetouchUp.com. They are your all-purpose, all-in-one, take-everything-off-of-your-plate-and-do-it-all-for-you-at-an-unbelievably-affordable-price company. That's actually, the, I don't know if you know, that's actually their slogan. Yeah, it really takes up a lot of space in the website header. It does. It takes a lot of space. It's like you have to go to below the fold. It's hard to read in the mobile version. Yeah. It's a very long slogan. Uh, they've been doing this for 27 years, and there is almost nothing they cannot do. And if, and if they do something and you don't think it's quite right, you send it back and they redo it for you as many times as it takes to get it right. And right now, they have a special going. Uh, if you sign up for a new account at RetouchUp.com, be sure and list Photobomb. And if you do that, you will get a special discount code. In addition to that... If you are thinking about doing restorations, which is a great way to make extra money, especially during the pandemic for your clients, they do restoration work as well. It's $35 for a full restoration, no matter what the condition of the image is. But if you email Gary P at retouchup.com, he will give you a coupon for half off. Yes. Thank you, Gary P. Yeah. Retouchup.com. We, we use them. We love them. And so be sure and check them out. All right. Big news in... Uh, photography news this week, Gary, I want you to lead off with, with the thing that we were talking about, uh, all the changes that are taking place in Photoshop. 
Right, 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 right. So Photoshop just put out the new version. And I know we're probably a little bit late to the punch because this is more than a week old news. But I haven't like I'm are you one of those people that doesn't update right away? I try not to because it almost never works out for me. Right. Yeah. Well, one of, you know, that's one of the big interesting changes about the way the subscription based service now is that you're already paying for it. So why not update? And then people are always worried about the changes. But they have been putting some really incredible differences in Photoshop. And I think this is probably going to be one of the biggest and most practical updates to Photoshop I've seen. Now, I myself have not updated. I'm still doing the research. But I will tell you, holy crap, man, the stuff that they added to Photoshop is now we've got built-in sky replacement. We've got built-in, you know, editing and skin smoothing. We've got a plug-in manager. I mean, it is, which, by the way, I think is about 25 years too late. Like like Photoshop plugins are always such a pain in the butt to install. It's like, where is that plugins folder? And then I have to drop that thing into the plugins folder and restart Photoshop. It's like now it's just all a just an admin panel. Um, You you watched the video just before we started recording. What are your thoughts? I think it's a huge update, uh, especially in, in that it's bringing so many new things to Photoshop. Usually their updates are we've improved this. And this time it's like, no, this is brand new. You know, first of all, the folks over at Luminar, that's their whole ball game. I mean, they do a lot of stuff with their AI, but their biggest thing has always been automatic sky replacement. Well, here comes Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer. I'm really curious to see what things like skin smoothing and stuff work out as, because it, from the video that I saw, looking at the, at the changes, it's, it's going to be a lot of filter-esque slider changes. And I have found that most professional photographers really aren't happy with that. They really want a hands-on approach. Like when it comes to retouching a face, they want to retouch only what they want to retouch. So we will be curious right. to see how that works. And especially when you look at skin management. I mean, you know, I still use a, a Gaussian blur and, and blend method. But a lot of people have gone over to, uh, oh, what's? Frequency separation. Frequency separation, uh, which is a little bit harder, but it does give you a little bit more realistic look. So I'm sure that they're not using frequency separation in their little algorithm that they're including now. No, I don't know exactly. I'm, I can't wait to dig into it. Again, you know, I'm always thinking from in the, the perspective of what I do. I do a lot of teams and a lot of groups. And if I can churn out, you know, especially once events start back up again, if I can churn out a retouching, a, a, a slight retouch in a batch, I can create a Photoshop, a preset and an action to apply that preset. So I could just set Photoshop on a folder and it'll just do like, hey, here's a touch of skin smoothing, a little brightening of the eyes, a little blem- whatever it is. Da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, and this could this could challenge things like Portrait Professional. This could challenge, you know, like Luminar, these updates. Like Photoshop is really taking a cue from, Adobe's taking a cue from all these other softwares that start out as almost single purpose software. And they've got enough resources and enough time to just go, look, everybody already pays for this. Everybody already has Photoshop, but they are, you know, I think it's pretty commendable that they're not resting on their laurels. They are taking those cues from those other single per- serving softwares and adding everything into Photoshop. My only thing is like, I hope they keep it relatively brisk as far as it's already, it already hogs up quite a few system resources. You know what I mean? I will be very curious to see where it goes because I almost universally, any software that has ever come out that is supposed to retouch a face for you with the click of a button has never done what we really because it's impossible to make it do exactly what we want it to do because everyone has a different opinion and when you've got folks like retouch up that can do it so unbelievably cheaply you know what i mean and it's done by hand uh so i'm really curious to see what it's going to be like i i don't anticipate 
the facial stuff in Photoshop as being a big game changer for most people. I think the sky replacement will be nice. Uh, and I think the making it easier to put plugins looks fantastic. And they're putting a plugin marketplace in where you can just, I saw some of the plugins, oh, click here and oh, you want it to automatically export to Dropbox? That's a plugin. Just click that and put that in. I think that sort of stuff's going to be great. That might be the, the most practical, most useful update as far as like, I don't really have a whole lot of call for sky replacement. I know that real estate photographers do that quite a lot. And that would be very, very good to where they've got presets, guys, you can drop in as well as you can add your own, which is neat. But like, you know, the most practical thing for me is, man, if you could enhance your workflow, like software integration is probably one of the best things going right now in the photography business, because you've got companies, let's say like 17 hats, and they, they know that they can't make their software suite do everything. They just don't have the resources, but they can make it work with Zoom. Like they just added the ability to have somebody when they make an appointment to automatically generate a Zoom meeting for you and stuff like that. So like those integrations make your life easier and it gets flexes a software's muscle. And so if Photoshop's going to start really natively, seamlessly integrating with the rest of the software in the modern world without having to do these arcane copy and paste plugins, I think that's going to be enormous. It's just the possibilities for what you'll be able to do because of this feature. I think that's the most forward thinking thing they've done. Yes, quick retouching is neat. Yes, sky replacement is neat. But that, it, to me, is the real bones of the biggest thing that they've changed. Is It's going to be hopefully very, very cool and allow developers for other software we use, like our gallery softwares and our sales softwares and our laboratories and all this stuff. Now they've got a, an SDK to be able to make softwares that will just fluidly plug in with Photoshop on the marketplace. I think it's fantastic. Don't forget that once you get in there and you start messing around with the changes in Photoshop, we would love to hear what you think and head over to Facebook, our Facebook page and uh, Photobomb. Just go, just go to facebook.com slash Photobomb Podcast. Or is it Photobomb Podcast or Photobomb? Photo, <laughs> Facebook.com slash Photobomb Podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Facebook.com slash Photobomb Podcast and let us know what you think and join the conversation with the rest of the bombardiers there. There were a couple of little stories I just want to touch on real quick that, that I noticed this week that I just wanted to mention. Uh, if you are an air show photographer, then you will be interested in knowing that the Blue Angels are retiring their planes. They have been using the F-A-18 Hornet now for 35 years. And the current planes that they're using, they've been using for 35 years. Uh, they are iconic planes. Uh, the, the argument is that the, maybe that the, that the Blue Angels are actually the best-known uh, aerial team in the world. Uh, some people would say maybe it's the Thunderbirds from the Air Force. But for me, it's the Blue Angels because I was a Navy kid. So the first team I ever heard about was the Blue Angels, and they have retired and made their final flight with the F-18s. Now, the good news is they're going to be moving to the F-18 Super Hornet. And they were <laughs> flying the Hornets, and now they're moving to the Super Hornet. Uh, so, but it is a new plane and an end of a, the end of a very big uh, era uh, for this particular type of photographer. You, you will never be able again to photograph the uh, the Blue Angels flying these planes that they've been flying for 18 years. Huh, that is interesting. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen the Blue Angels myself. I have no desire to photograph planes. It seems very hard. <laughs> Does it? You need a very long lens. Like, I, And the thing is, as, a, as, a, as an IPC judge, you see, you always see, you know, air show photos in there. And it's they're they're largely very very similar. Time marches on, my friend. Just like your hairline, it marches. Speaking on. of of time marching on, uh, Baron Wallman died this week along with Sean Connery. Baron Wallman, not quite as well known as Sean Connery. He was eighty three years old. But if you get a chance, go to Google 
and Google Baron Woolman because he was a fantastic photographer and he shot many, many, many iconic images of rock and rollers. So I'm always a fan of good concert rock and roll classic people. So uh, Baron Woolman, I mean, you name it, he shot them. And uh, it's a nice uh, break from the chaos and fun that we've been having the last couple of weeks with the national elections and et cetera, <laughs> to maybe uh, fix yourself a drink and look this guy up on Google and take a look at some of this photography and wish that you could have been on stage with Bob Dylan or the Rolling Stones shooting this work the way that he did. You know, speaking of which, it has been tense, and one of the things that I did when I, I, we, I talked about my trip to the mountains with my family, and I just got a bunch of drone footage, and I was planning to use it as B-roll in the short film, kind of like mini family movie I was going to make about our trip. So I, I, I started transcoding the footage, bringing it in into Final Cut, and just started looking at it, and I thought, you know what? Like, I'm just going to edit a five-minute long video of just my favorite clips from the drone, and it's like early in the morning, mist settling on the mountains, and fall colors. And so I spent about two hours editing five minutes of footage together and the phone wasn't ringing. I wasn't checking social media, wasn't looking for updates on the election. Initially, I thought that sounds like a dumb idea for a video. But after two hours, I was so relaxed, just peaceful music and like drone footage from the trees. It was really, uh, it was really cool. Which brings me to my next story, which is Mavic has a DJI has officially announced the Mavic mini version two which is now for sale. You can buy it on DJI's website or various other retailers like Adorama. And I can even put a link to that in the description. Um, it is an interesting upgrade from the Mavic Mini. I don't think it's a huge, huge upgrade. It does a couple of cool things. Here are some of the things you might see that are different. The Mavic Mini 2 now has 4K video instead of 2.5K video, so you get a higher resolution. It does 12 megapixel raw stills, which is very neat. Um, it will also give you quite a bit more distance as far as be able to control it with the remote than the Mavic Mini. And uh, it goes, uh, flies a little longer, goes a little faster. It's just a little bit better in pretty much every regard. It's, the footage is going to be a little more stable, a lot of little upgrades. The difference is, is that if you're thinking about buying a Mavic Mini drone, this it came out and now it's literally a, a couple of weeks ago when I bought a few weeks ago when I bought the Mavic Mini, the Fly More combo was five ninety nine, and that's the the thing, the guards, the the controller, the batteries, and now the Mavic Mini Two is out. It's better. It's a little bit better in pretty much every regard, and it's five ninety nine for the Fly More. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Curse on! Come If you have a Mavic Mini, I don't know that this is... I didn't feel like a rush out and upgrade, like it was so much better or rush out and upgrade. But if you are looking at buying one, you can either now probably get the Mavic Mini for less money, and there are tons of... I was just looking up before we recorded today. There are a ton of Mavic Minis for sale used in great shape that people like i've seen uh, the most common thing i've seen is like i bought it i flew it two or three times and i just haven't used it since and now i'm going to buy the two or whatever so if you're looking i can testify that the mavic mini is incredible little drone to to play with um and also the the two added zero weight with all those improvements to it so it's still 249 grams which puts it under the 250 grams for uh requiring to register with the faa for uh for hobby use so uh, you know, yeah, that's it's really cool. The technology is there, and I gotta tell you, just being able to see the uh the footage 
and for for six hundred bucks, it was I think I you know it was like five ninety nine, and it's like four twenty nine or something without the combo. To get HD or ultra HD footage of a mountain from above, like something you had to have a helicopter or plane to do before, and 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 to be able to add that to your repertoire, even just as a hobbyist, to bargain at twice the price, I think this is a great great product, and uh, and totally worthy to check out. So if you haven't got a drone. Check out the Mavic Mini 2 just announced. There's a company called, and I know I'm going to, I'm just going to spell it, X-I-A-O-M-I. X-I-A-O-M-I. Xomi? Xiaomi? 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 Do they make phones? I've never heard of a, you know, the article is a little confusing for me because they talk about this technology going into their phones. And I'm like, what phones? I, is this the parent company for some phone company I'm unaware? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. But what they're developing is cool, and I would like to see it in a phone. Uh, I don't know what phones they would go into. Maybe they will be selling it to other phone manufacturers. I'm on their, I'm on their website right now. They do make phones. What phones? With that, with that name? The they're the Mi M I line of phones. So it's the Redmi Note, and I, I think they're basically just like less expensive smartphones or like you know a chinese brand more than likely well what they developed is cool and that is a retractable lens for their camera they mm-hmm. have developed a you know much like if you buy a small point and shoot and the lens comes out you know out of the front well it's like that except it's on your camera phone and they say that uh, rather than being a zoom lens which is typically what these retractable lenses are made for uh, this ability to retract and rather to come out from the phone says that the camera's light gathering ability is boosted by 300 percent holy cow yeah i think this phone you're talking about is the poco f2 pro yeah, yeah. So 300% more light into your camera phone with this sort of thing. And and this is the first time I've seen this. Uh, but what's interesting about it is that if it works and it's done halfway decently, you will soon see everyone adopt it. You know, just like we just saw Photoshop suddenly, you know, taking a, a, a hint from all of these other standalone softwares. If this works, if this is a good idea, it won't be that long until you'll buy a Samsung phone or, or an Apple phone that has a retractable lens. Yeah, it is a really, really interesting technology. This is a, the front camera, which is the selfie camera, is a 20 megapixel pop-up front camera. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and it uses Apple's Heath format. Heath, Heath, Heath. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks, the design's beautiful. It's very reminiscent of an iPhone. Kind of looks like it runs on the Android operating system. Yeah, if uh, I think I think it's a pretty brilliant design. In my mind, I'm just thinking it's one more thing that can break, uh, you know. But it does give you the uninterrupted front screen, so you don't have the notch or or a hole in your display. And when you want to take a selfie, it just pops up. I wonder how fast it is though, because like, you know what I mean? Like when you're gonna take a selfie and you do a group photo, it's like, hold on, I gotta push the button to bring the camera out. Or whatever, right, you know, or when you turn the camera on, it must automatically open. I'm sure that's that's probably how it works. Right, but right. As long as it's not something that's going to break and be, and then you you know you're going to have to take it in. A, you know, uh, I think it's a, a great idea yeah, for design purposes and uh, better photos. Speaking of lenses, what's going on with Canon? Oh, yeah. I guess we did have to put that. I didn't. I don't always want to lead with Canon news because people already think I'm a Canon shill. I mean, I'm kind of a Canon shill, but anyway, it's fine. Um. Canon has officially, officially announced two pretty cool lenses. The first is the RF 50mm 1.8, used to be known in the EFs as the Nifty 50. Um, so this is going to be your 
It's going to give people the ability to get into that RF lens lineup. So far, this is the least expensive lens in the RF lineup. And there's it just uh, overall, all the reviews that are coming in say it's really cool, works really, really well. And it's going to give you the ability to play with those incredibly shallow depths of field with a very inexpensive piece of glass uh, at, at about $200. So that's, you know, um, is this a lens that you would pick up? No. 50-50? I don't like the 50 millimeter length. I find it, it's it's not, it's not as wide as I want to be and it's not as telescopic as I want to be. I liked it on an APS-C camera. Right, because that's a 75. Right, with the new with the new RF series APS-C that's probably going to be coming out from Canon. The R7, I think, is what we're calling it prospectively. I think that a 50 millimeter lens would be a really cool focal length to, uh, to play with because it's it's just about a good portrait length. And so, and when I was shooting with the APS-C size sensors before I upgraded to full frame, when I first started my career, I used a 50 as my headshot lens, and it worked great. Sure. Uh, but as soon as I went to full frame, I switched to the 85. But this is just a great and my first lens though, my first lens I ever bought was that Nifty 50, and now there's an RF version which I think will probably be quite a bit better. In addition to that, we officially have the official, officially, official, official information on the, what we've been waiting for. Drum roll, please. The RF 70 to 200 millimeter F4. No drum roll? No, no drum roll. It is no ta-da? No ta-da. We've been waiting on this because we're hoping that this is the less expensive alternative to the F2.8. And it is. It's $1,000 less. Woo! So it's this is coming in at about fifteen ninety nine, uh, whereas the the two eight version comes in at twenty five hundred, roughly twenty six hundred. So, um, let me ask you, is it is it worth a thousand dollars to get that extra stop? I think it depends on what you do. It really it really depends on what you do because I I want to say when I was doing so many beach weddings, no, I have no problem. I'm, I'm going to shoot at four anyway when I'm doing the walkaways and stuff like that on the beach. But when I'm shooting in a Catholic church and I'm not allowed to use flash and i'm shooting from the back of the pews and it's nighttime then being able to crank that baby down to f2.8 can make a difference i've shot many a first dance with close-ups at f2.8 on a 70 to 200 millimeter lens yeah um do, do i need it so bad that it's that it's going to justify the extra thousand dollar expense well i don't know i would say right now probably no with what i'm shooting now uh fewer weddings more headshots more portraits more bar mitzvahs if I was buying today, I probably would go with the with the F four. But but you and I both said that lens is the lens that is on our camera most frequently. Uh, yeah, Richard is uh, writes into the show. This looks right up my alley. I have the F two eight version EF, but never used two point eight. I seem to live at F four to F eight. Right there with you on that one, Richard. Uh, Jordan writes in. Uh, was contemplating this earlier. It's not a crazy difference in terms of bouquet because you get so much compression out of two hundred millimeters. Kenji wrote in, with the new eye autofocus, I find that I hit focus a lot more at lower apertures. So having the option to shoot at 3.5 or lower is nice. So we got both both perspectives there. Well, here's the other thing, though, that we've also got to remember. You're like, that extra stop, I need that extra stop from F4 to F2.8. I need that extra stop. Based on what? I needed that extra stop back when I never went above 1600 ISO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now that you can shoot at 64 without blinking... And you're pulling an extra three stops of light that way. Do you really need that extra stop so much that you're willing to pay $1,000 for it? For me, no. I mean, and, and here's the interesting thing, though. For 90% of my work in the studio when I'm shooting the 7200, I'm at F4 or above. Right. And yesterday I was shooting at like F11. I was doing some modeling headshots. And I still i am going to own the 70 to 200 
F28 EF version. And so if I'm in a situation, that's in my bag. I have the adapter. Right. I can bust that out if I'm shooting at a wedding or which I won't be or an event or something, which I won't be for a while. Um, and I need to get to F28 for some reason. I can always swap to that other great lens if I need to. It's not like it. You know what I mean? So for the time being, I feel like that the, the F4 version would be plenty for me as long as the image quality overall is pretty similar, which, um, you know, it seems like it is. So, you know, all everything that's coming back on this lens says it's it's a very, very good optics and it's going to be a really good alternative. I think the ISO thing is a really big factor. And, and I think this is interesting, too. Uh, as the cameras manufacturers are coming out with these new cameras and the prices are going up and up on these new cameras in a lot of cases, especially the high end ones, you know, uh, you know, like the five. We're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, less expensive cameras across the board and a lot of other manufacturers. But if you're still talking about the very best cameras that a camera maker makes, those prices are going up. Those bodies are becoming more expensive. But it is a nice offset to think this body is more expensive, but I'm getting an extra stop of light through the ISO in this body, which means I can pay for a stop of light less <laughs> when I buy the lenses for this camera and make up a little bit of that. You're paying $1,000 more for your body, but now you can pay $1,000 less for your lenses because you no longer need f2.8 to make up for for lack of a better word for the inadequacies of the camera body it wasn't inadequate but i'm just saying the bodies and the iso and that technology is getting so good that the days of saying i absolutely need 1.8 or 1.4 or 2.8 may be coming to an end if you are buying the very best camera now here's an interesting thing talking about in-body technology and we you know we spend a lot of time talking about fuji and their firmware and and here's a here's a really cool story, Fujifilm GFX 100 pixel shift firmware coming in late November, and this is a rumor on SLR Lounge, but basically the 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 camera, the Fujifilm GFX 100, which is already a large or medium format camera, uh, which is I believe 100 megapixels or something, um, this camera has built-in in-body image stabilization. So what this firmware update is supposed to be able to do. It is going to use the IBIS to shift the sensor around and create a 400 megapixel image. And who doesn't need that, Gary Hughes? Who doesn't need a 400 megapixel? Let me just boot up the separate drive I've kept just for holding my 400 megapixel files. Can you imagine a, four, a, 400, a 400 megabyte in, uh, file every time you click the shutter? Mike, some of my first memory cards weren't even 400 <laughs> megabytes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know although i'm not gonna lie i want to see what that looks like of course i want to see what that looks like i want to hit i want to hit the like view actual pixels command in photoshop and i want to see eyelashes can you imagine what that would be right. like holy cow hey speaking of uh fuji news by the way if you're a fuji x100 user be sure and head over to my uh youtube channel this week because i finally did post that uh, review and breakdown of the fuji wide angle attachment that goes on to the x100 series i got one a couple of weeks ago and i put it through its paces so if you've been thinking about that ang that attachment or if you're just a nerd like me who likes to watch these things be sure and head over to my youtube channel and uh, check out that video yeah, I, I actually, uh, I do watch all your videos, even though I myself don't have a Fuji, but uh, I always find them, I always find them so calming. You're so rational and calm, <laughs> you know? I'm trying to make YouTube videos where I'm like, la, da, 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 and you're always like, hello, I'm Bure Perry, and thank Welcome you for tuning in. Welcome to Delicious Dish.
Yeah, yeah. Welcome to my sweaty balls. You are the NPR of YouTube channels. Well, you know, it's um, it's a it's a it's a tough call on that attachment because it, t- it takes you from thirty five millimeters to twenty eight millimeters, which doesn't seem like much, but it does make a difference. But the biggest problem is that it makes the camera bigger quite a bit bigger and the great thing about this camera is that it's not big so you really have to decide is it worth the trade-off to make the camera bigger just to get that extra eight millimeter of width for some people width is more important than length so you really have to make that call for yourself yeah for me i think that you know you really got to find a nice balance between between the two yeah does this lens meet the balance between width and length or some would say girth I don't know. You'll have to decide for yourself, but hopefully I've made a nice video uh, in the adult section of YouTube. There's no wrong answer here. It's just personal preference and and how you are on the inside. Yes, absolutely. It's how you use it. All right, just a quick reminder that you can find us online at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. That's where all the good stuff happens. And hey, a shout out to our editor, Daniel Munoz. Daniel is the guy who does all the editing. If you think this podcast sounds great, it's because of Daniel Munoz as much as it is because of us. And if you think it sounds bad, also because of Daniel Munoz. That's also because of Daniel, Daniel Munoz. Uh, our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. It is. My website is booreyperry.com. And you can email us, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later.